Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we take a look at every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff. I'm Aurora. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm no one. Yeah. This week we are discussing uh, series seven, episode seven, the Rings of Akaten, not by Stephen Moffat, which debated me. Up until I opened the wiki page like two minutes ago, I thought this was a Moffat joint. It's not. It's by Neil Cross. Who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writer of two episodes in series 7B. Oh, okay. G- yeah. Good for him. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a good episode, so like... Good job, guy. Yeah, good job, dude. Well done. Uh, yeah. Um, this is uh, the first post-joining the t- crew uh, Clara episode, and, you know, we got to go to future alien planet. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Um this kind of in in many ways it feels kind of like it's it's like you have like this it's weird because i realize like there's a lot you kind of have like a lot of similarities for your like first future or space companion story um in terms of like you have end of the world you have gridlock you have maybe not as much planet of the ood um, you have the beast below where it's kind of like they fit into a very similar, maybe, eh, yeah, no gridlock does kind of do it of like, let's just throw in all these weird wacky aliens and, and be this totally alien space, uh, that I always kind of appreciate. And I think makes for a really interesting and fun, uh, like first post introduction companion episode. And also I think kind of lets you get a feel for the vibes of how the showrunner is like for example rtd had this had fucking uh end of the world and gridlock and moffat had the beast below which was similarly kind of grungy and futuristic but also very different in tone and feel yeah um i definitely get what you're saying i wish it's something they did more just like throwing them into a very alien environment it, it, it it's i guess that's not as true as much in um uh gridlock and beast below or actually in none of them but okay i kind of lost the plot of what i was saying that throws them into a very foreign environment that's like very different from anything else we usually get to see like that's that's one thing that's on my mind we don't usually get episodes that are like this alien um there's very few and when we get them, they're usually more like really doctor centric, like the whole mm-hmm. season six stuff. Um, yeah, I, uh, these episodes definitely have like a distinct vibe between them that I think is unique. For mm-hmm. sure. I enjoyed, maybe it's the Star Wars geek in me um, that just loves seeing like these, this alien, like old culture, everything is like worn. There's like a history to this place and it's not really connected to humans or earth at all 
even even the aliens that are just like they have the like weird makeup where it's like the three ridges on the forehead and the cheeks it's like that's the closest you get and yeah i think with this very episode, star trek yeah <laughs> um it fi it finally this episode finally cemented in my mind that my favorite types that my favorite companion introductions seem to follow the theme of like their first adventure is in like this future like space setting that has like nothing to do with earth and even then like only really this episode fully ticks all those boxes for me it was it was really enjoyable for me and it's 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 weird how or i guess we'll get there but this episode is like normally just remembered for the big speech and sure it's a moffat 11th doctor big speech but there's so much else here it was really exciting to revisit yeah i mean yeah. i was i was sort of commenting that like in terms of of like visual design i mean i'm struggling to think what other episodes are on this level um not many there's probably not more than like two or three that have like really this much good costuming set design color direction and just like visual design in general it's yeah, very distinctive. i mean i mean it, the stuff that comes to mind is end of the world where they blew most of their effects budget for that season <laughs> on that episode uh and gridlock both of which are episodes that i think are very good i feel uh -oh. like there was another jeff, one that we jeff praised for visual design and I'm forgetting what no, I didn't compliment Ch Chibnall. Oh yeah, that's right. I was Both of those episodes are <laughs> RTD episodes. I am remaining 100% on brand. For some reason, for some reason, I I thought Gridlock was 42. So that that was that was an Aurora Bimbo moment. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> Oops. Um. Yeah, I, I think there was another episode we praised for visual design, but I can't remember what it was, so oh well. Uh, well, Waters of Mars, but that's a different... Waters of Mars, that's that was, that's right. Um, yeah, that was that's like a different type, but yeah. I just, I really, like, one thing I really... Oh, the makeup, the makeup, I was going to say, yes. was, like, really good in this one, because, like, usually they have just, like, one or two, like, really alien people, and, like, definitely there was, like, a lot of CGI for like the background crowds, but I'm pretty sure that like every alien they talked to was at least like, or like it seemed like it was makeup. I don't know. I, I might not just have the eye for that. Um, Jeff probably can recognize it better. What? Or like, what, what when the aliens, were they like make practical effects and makeup or CG? I, it looked like makeup to me, but I, you know, I, I don't I'd have the say eye for that. I'd say probably a decent amount of it is CG. I mean, I mean, uh, practical because if it was, it was, if it was a lot of CG, uh, it would, uh, probably not look very good because it would be either cheap or very brief given the yeah. budget that I think they were still working with. Yeah. And so, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was just double checking that. Yeah. Like, pretty much every alien that, or like, really alien person that comes up into, like, close frame, I think, is definitely, like, makeup. And there was a lot there. And some of it was very good and very creative. Uh, that That's my yeah. bit. <laughs> Again, very, very Star Wars-y. Because in every Star Wars movie, there's, like, throwaway creatures that, like, you'll never see again. But, like, everyone has, every, every niche Star Wars geek has their one that is just, like, that is my favorite character. We don't know their name. 
or their planet or anything about them, but he's doing great. Yeah. Like, it's just a lot of those, like, little bit moments that sort of, like, enhance yeah. enhance the world. And for, and for a show like Doctor Who that doesn't really have that much consistent world building, for there to be, like, let's just go to a setting where people are doing a thing, worshipping this thing for this reason, e- even though it's not, like world building that gets continued forward for the for the story that it's in it it works great it really helps establish again the world and the feeling of the episode instead of just like oh this is another adventure of the week it elevates it from that the the one thing i will say about the the like i i do generally really like the world building in this episode the only thing i like took i i thought was kind of stupid was just the uh exchanging things that are valuable to you is the currency here because it's just like it's such an obvious setup and contrivance and it like that was kind of silly um i can forgive it because like it's kind of the crux of the episode but like yeah. it is very silly and impractical if you think about it for like actually if you you don't even have to think about it that you just like you see that and you're like that doesn't make any sense but like okay yeah. like honestly honestly it would have been silly and contrived and kind of stupid and very Moffat style over substance to have the doctor defeat the villain by just having so much life for uh, Akaten <laughs> to just vor. Uh, but also, I think it would have been less stupid than the leaf. <laughs> yeah. I'm of two minds on that because, on the one hand, the opening that establishes the leaf is very cheesy and very, like, hallmark original holiday movie coming this December like it's but it does have good musical taste because uh it plays a little snippet of a ghost town by the specials which is a classic (laughs) song I'll take your word on that but yeah it's the the opening is a bit weird I found it again I didn't remember this opening at all that like they keep the same actor for Clara's dad even when she's grown and like looking at her mom's grave and i'm just like this guy looks like he could be your boyfriend or your brother i'm just like this doesn't look like your dad about if i was confused if that was supposed to be her dad or not like legitimately i was like wait he's like young though is was that yeah the same actor yeah it's some dad? really wonky casting <laughs> yeah, yeah so no was... i mean that go ahead yeah i was just gonna say like the opening in general is kind of weird because it's like it is like the the over or it's like kind of the overall impossible girl plot, but also it just makes the doctor come across like a weird stalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same kind of thing, where it's like the little one-off joke that Nine has, where he makes a joke about like buying Rose like a red bike when she was seven years old, and it's like that's creepy, dude. I know that that's not what they intended, but that's weird. Don't do that. Yeah, I will say the the bit at the end where where it's like, "Hey, what's your name?" Clara was a nice reveal. Like, obviously, I knew that was coming because yeah. I remember this episode. Um, but it like I could see how that would be like a twist uh, in yeah. another context. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the the through line with the leaf is fine. Like, I think. I think using it as the sort of deus ex machina is a little, eh. 
Like, are you are you seriously saying that like anyone could have just walked up to the god with a random object and been like, this represents the future, and then fucking killed it at any moment? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's very. I'm of two minds on this because on one hand you're entirely right, on the other it's very evocative to me of, um, series five, eleven, and the whole like again bringing back the fairy tale theme and vibe. So yeah, it, it's weird that this I mean, writer I've that does never like, been two the biggest fan it. of that, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, no, I like, like it not... and appreciate it. So, but I get why I people don't, don't hate it. Like I don't hate it. I I don't like I, I will say it's to me like the episode's big flaw and why I wouldn't like rate it higher. But it's not like oh this ruins the episode. Ah oh, this is just like oh it totally like destroys the idea of the episode. Like it is the idea of the episode and like the episode justifies itself around that central conceit, and like that's fine. Like I wish. I, like, you can't really have the episode without that yeah. contrivance, and it's a pretty good episode, so, like, whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm just I'm just here being a fucking, fucking biased RTD stan. <laughs> Negative man. <laughs> SMH. One um, showrunner Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally get that. It just it it fits in the theme of like stories and what they say. And granted, the application to like Clara being the impossible girl because they do kind of try and tie that hole in. It's like, what's your story? Like, yeah, that that's kind of like really obvious. But but in the whole application, like I prefer the leaf and that ending subverting. Oh, the doctor's gonna talk at it and then win. I like that yeah. that doesn't do the trick, and then she has to come in. And, like, sort of, this isn't what she's doing in the narrative, but, like, for the audience, like, proving, like, this is a companion that's, like, worthy to stand with the Doctor that can, like, that that gets him and that can, like, be that special person that he sees. It's not yeah. just that, oh, she's impossible and she's staying with me until I figure out what she is. It's that, like, by the end, he sees her as this person, aside from, like, the mystery that he's chasing. At least that's what I see mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also do have to shout out uh, this episode having a greater musical focus, um, which, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's a good, uh, very sort of, it it fits the very sort of religious uh, connotations that it's given. I just realized that the the sort of religious outfits here are very similar to the um, the ones from. I is that the, the 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 Rome people, the Pompeii people? No, no. I was thinking of uh, let's that's later. Never mind. Um, just, yeah, I was just like, oh, people in red cloaks. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think that the, the music is good. Like, there's actually, I think there's a couple soundtracks in here that are, like, haven't been in other episodes, like, besides just the actual singing. Um, yeah. I'm not sure on that, but there were, like, a couple tracks that sounded new that I really thought were good. Yeah, definitely. Um, it might just be because uh, I Am the Doctor is so overplayed, 
But when I think of like what is Eleven's song, mean. when I think of what is Eleven's song, I think of the "Rest Now, My Warrior" bit, um, which is you know doubly affirmed for me because they play that during Eleven's regeneration. But th- yeah, that, that to me is like quintessential Eleven, not fucking like whoop de doo. I'm the doctor. I'm gonna do a silly dance and yeah. then save the day with some Deus Ex Machina bullshit, like. This yeah, is I am 11. the doctor is just associated. Like, I feel like this song for me definitely associates more with kind of the good bits of Eleven's uh, run, and a, a nice sort of callback to the uh, the opera piece that was written for Ten. Uh, and uh. I am the doctor is just more the soundtrack of Stephen Moffat just doing some fucking stupid shit. I am the doctor is the sound of let's kill Hitler and uh, the wedding of river song. (laughs) True. And a good man goes to war. I don't care what you say. That episode's a fucking mess. Uh So yeah, uh and it's got y- y- yeah, it's it's interesting because it kind of it ends up with the 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 monster being a lot more abstract than you'd expect. And I dig that. Like the last time they had a fucking huge ass son be a villain, it was pretty neat. It's pretty neat here too. Maybe not as as horror tinged as Forty Two was, but it's pretty neat. And there's the compliment to Chibnall. Anyways, um, yeah, Forty Two is an okay episode. It is, and I I did draw that comparison as I was watching it. Like, of course they didn't intend this, but in my head canon, that's the same species of sun. Just one, yeah, one decided not to be like a colonial, uh, ego driven prick and establish godhood but when are we gonna find the black hole son all right sorry there's there's my there's my 90s music reference we can move on now. god <laughs> um i will say that the the reveal of this evil son is pretty good like i think it's a pretty good lead-in yeah um it keeps the audience like fooled as well as the doctor um i think that's a good little bit um, yeah, one sec. Oh, I was about to sneeze right there. Okay. <laughs> nice. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the, um, they do a really good job of, like, I mean, just the, the, the sort of design of the, the, like, first monster already is, like, good enough to be convincing. Like, you, you really feel like, oh, yeah, this could be, like, a villain. This could be, like, the, the big bad guy. Um, and uh, one thing I really like is that it's kind of reminiscent of more, um, 12 era Moffat monsters. Um, like, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple, like, um, Before the Flood, uh, the Under King. the Lake, that, that guy, uh, mm-hmm. as well as, like, um, the Teller and stuff like that. Just, like, you know, sort of larger than human, humanoid, big, scary monster aliens, as opposed to, like, more abstract things or just, like, the recurring things that you get a lot in um, 11 Moffat era. Anyways, yeah, yeah, I just thought that was, like, a good setup. And I was like, this guy has a cool design. Like, oh, I don't actually remember what happened. Or like, 
or like what happens to this guy and then it was like whoa it was a bait and switch and like i knew yeah. the sun was the enemy but i was still surprised <laughs> yeah um actually i will say you know everyone gives clout uh to the speech that he has at the end uh when he's uh like basically feeding his experiences uh to the sun but actually i got to i i i want to shout out his speech that i actually think is a little bit better uh when he's talking to mary and basically being like that's not a god and talking about like the 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 forces of science that led to these atoms be eventually becoming this person that's a good speech and I think it's actually a little bit better than the one at the end. Yeah, it's a more intimate, personal one. That you get you get the big emotional climax, like the bombast, but the one on one stuff, again, that's that's effective too. And and shout out to the uh Mary Galel actress. Um this may be my personal like being a snob about singing, but I, I like her acting more than her singing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um but she she's good. But 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 she skews. Oh God, I don't remember what. Okay, so we have the two ends of the scale, and the one end is Jackson Lake's son, and I don't know what the I can't remember what the other end was. It was someone else in like RTD era, I think, that we commended for child acting. I don't know. Okay, for now, for now, let's just say that the other end of that scale is uh, young Amelia. So, like, not quite as much as young Amelia, but definitely skewing more towards young Amelia uh, than Jackson Lake's son. Oh, oh, for sure. And hopefully, and hopefully everybody who's listening to this podcast understands what the fuck I'm talking about, uh, because I'm not explaining myself. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, the only, the only thing that didn't work for me, like, everything in the temple to, like, deconstructing the religion and the faith into what the god is as opposed mm -hmm. to like separating the actual god from the abstraction of why they worship it like all that that was like pretty damn good the only part that was like a little bit underwhelming was those like monsters that would appear when mary didn't want to do something that was the only like oh we need to have like a cliche like yeah thing in the way to to keep the plot moving just like a few minutes longer it was like that was the only part that really felt like dead air to me other than that the episode was like incredibly well paced um and i i include the like a bit like saccharine beginning <laughs> in that statement yeah actually uh now that i think about it it kind of um kind of reminds me of um uh oh god what's the uh it kind of reminds me of the uh the plot of final fantasy 10 where it's or at least kind of some of the the themes where that game is kind of partially about uh like a a religion that has ruled over this land and how it ties into this world-ending monstrosity though in final fantasy X's case it's a giant fucking whale of death and not a uh a um sun but it kind of has a similar theme of like 
taking a religious order that basically imposes a rule of like accepting an unnecessary tragedy and upholding it as a status quo that I, I, I liked. I thought it was pretty good. No, yeah, I can, I can see that connection. Um, yeah, overall, very, very, very well executed. I wouldn't call this, like, top tier 11, but it's definitely more towards the spectrum of the 11 that I know and love and think of. Yeah. Like, when I think of, like, peak series 5, 11, like, this is, like, a little slice of, like, that with perfectly balancing, like, almost perfectly balancing the, um the narrative and the theme within like a framework that you could argue is very fairy tale and very science fantasy as opposed to sci-fi but it it's still meaningful mm. and it still gets the job done even if you want to quibble about like the logic of the leaf and why has nobody ever been able to kill this thing before or just you know all of that <laughs> yeah definitely I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of liking Series 7B way more than Series 5. Like, I was never that big a fan of Series 5, but, like, what? I don't know. These episodes have been good. Okay, I thought you were going to say, like, Series 6 or 7A. Are, are you fucking high right now? What? It's good, but it's not that good. I'm, what, let me recheck Season 5 episodes. Season 5 has some fucking bangers in it, man. There's, uh, wait, how Eh? Eh? There's not really wow. any here I, like, totally dig. I mean, wow. besides, obviously, Vincent and the Doctor, but, like, the rest were just kind of like, eh? R wow. I'm sorry, like I said it... I said it when we watched it. I wasn't that big a fan of season five. We're going to have to do a series re-ranking at the end of seven. I think it's overdue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think my positioning for stuff has remained about the same since the last time we did one. But, yeah. I'll say this. I think so far it easily... It easily beats out series six as my current least favorite as of rewatching, and it might be on par with series two right now. So I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> I I don't even know, man. <laughs> okay, so I I appreciate at the climax how when the sun is absorbing all of. Eleven's memories and then it kind of like withdraws in on itself we now know thanks to Chibnall that it was just like briefly stunned in its confusion by the timeless child revelation and once it processed that then it was like Every very angry. Every fucking time god damn it no god damn it you're welcome and then and then uh. when, when Clara comes in and gives it the leaf that's when the episode really pays off for those with an inflation kink because then it just expands. 
All right. And those are my based thoughts on uh, series seven. You guys, seven. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you, how do you guys think uh, they're gonna utilize the timeless child shit in Flux? So we're in our like, new portion no now. Idea. <laughs> like, like I'm trying to think, cause like I as like as far as I like as far as I'm concerned, like if they don't really make it much of anything, that just furthers my original point that it is a pointless reveal just to have some big reveal. Like it's a reveal for re a reveal's sake. Um, and if they bring it in more, it's probably going to get really cheesy and stupid. My position remains the same as it has been since probably since December, which is, or no, it remains the same since when we heard like Chibnall and 13 are leaving. I hope he goes all in on it because I'd rather have him explore this story arc than someone else like i want to know where he thinks oh he's no going. no if he doesn't if he doesn't if he doesn't explore it rtd isn't touching it yeah that... i i have a like given the track record of how previous showrunners have handled their predecessors material he's just not going to talk about it <laughs> yeah so that's what I'm i mean gonna be like honest i here. go ahead i still haven't watched the timeless child you don't need to. You really I don't. Know, but it's save, so funny that I just like, for the podcast. Like that I literally like, just haven't watched it. <laughs> like honestly, honestly, I mean I've only seen it once. And who knows what our plans for Chibnall coverage are going to be when we eventually get there. But in all seriousness, from the episode, what I watched, honestly, like, yeah, it's got like a hilariously bad twist. But also it's just fucking boring. It's like 75 minutes long and 40 of it is like mostly just the master fucking monologuing and exposition dumping at the doctor. And then yeah, like 20 wait, minutes of bad conclusion. Long? It's fucking 75. It's over an hour. Yeah. Problematic King like, Blue it's Balls boring. captive doctor for 75 minutes. Yeah, yeah. basically. Like, it's, um, like, it, like, the, like the reveals are there. And I distinctly remember like slowly sliding down and off the couch as I realized what the fuck is going on. But most of all, it's just fucking like badly paced. So, yeah, I'll just reiterate, I hope, I hope that whatever it is, like, leans into it. At the very least, I hope that if, if Series 13 isn't directly about it, then it sets it up for the specials. Solely because I, I don't know, I would respect that more, as opposed to, like, him trying to course correct for his, like for his finale because i think we can agree that every time every time he's visibly shown to think that he's course correcting he makes things worse so i'm just yeah. like just keep going just you know just commit to it we're proud of yeah, you just keep just, keep just on go. rolling with it yeah so that those are my thoughts thank you good night <laughs> i think i think um 
I saw something that was very interesting about like what flux, the flux or whatever could potentially mean uh, and how it potentially could mean that like the timeless child retcons itself out of existence, which if true would be really funny because A, it would really prove that it's a pointless twist and B, would bring to mind another uh, writing fuck up that uh, uh, fucking retconned itself out of existence, Sonic 06. It would also fridge the first Black Doctor we've had, so that's fun. Oh, 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 they're not fucking, fucking Joe Martin? Oh, she's never going, like, until Big Finish gets a hold of her, she's never going to get, like, the, t the screen time that she deserves. And Unless we're just gonna RTD... have to hope... <laughs> I, well, RTD is probably not going to cast her. What I was going to say is unless RTD casts another person of color. No, yeah. Which hopefully he will, but, you know. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if... if Because this is another piece of news that it looks like Sony is looking into buying uh, Bad Wolf uh, Studios mm -hmm. or Productions, whatever it's called. If... If the team that's trying to make Doctor Who competitive with other franchises, which I hate that I have to phrase that in such a capitalistic way... But, like, yeah. just in terms of the scale, if, you know, if they're going to do spinoffs or want to do stuff that doesn't involve problematic fave John Barrowman, yeah. like, then, yeah, fucking give it to Joe Martin or one of the yeah. actors for The Master. Like, fucking go off. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. All right. Uh... Anything else from you guys before we move on to ratings? I've I've pretty much talked about what I wanted to talk about for this story. Um I think watching this episode critically, I saw the beginnings of like how how 11, how the shift from 11 to 12 clearly was like a big shock to Clara just yeah. because of how like I don't know how how boisterous i don't know if that's the right word but like 11 always having a smile on his face you know gleefully introducing him to everyone her to everyone taking her yeah. hand like everything it's mm -hmm. just like even from a non-romantic context like if this if i became friends with this larger than life alien being and then and then regen and then they turned into someone that like 12 starts out as in the beginning i could I could see where her shock would come from, and I only bring that up so far in advance because when I was, like, a young teen watching it play out in real time, I didn't get it. So I, I want to give at least some credit to at least this episode for, like, having something there where I could be like, okay, I, I see where this went, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that's an ass pull, I'll fully admit that, but yeah. Good stuff. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, moving on to ratings. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a solid fucking, it's a solid fucking episode. And I think it's definitely indicative of an uptick in quality that this last stretch of 11 has, even while it, has some really bad shit and uh, some slightly uncomfortably horny moments a little bit later on. 
but you know i i think overall um it works and it works really well and it's definitely it, it continues a trend of the show starting to find its footing again after a particularly shaky season and a half um yes yeah it's i'd say it's a solid uh a minus I'm definitely showing my bias toward very early eleven era with the with the fairy taleness, the science fantasy of it all. Also showing my Star Wars bias um, with just the aesthetic of the world and how it does its world building. I really enjoyed this episode. Basically, everything um, as as our as our friends in the nomad system i i still think you're going by that i apologize i'm i'm not up on anything um but as they mentioned with the set design and the costuming like everything everything was on point um i also really enjoyed the banter between 11 and clara because we tend to think yeah. of 12 and clara as having the like s tier banter but there were some moments here where i was just like okay this is like this is pretty damn good as well um yeah i might be biased in those respects that i laid out earlier but this episode is an easy a for me yeah mama mia it's a it's a fucking episode for sure it's, it's a, a fucking ep episode <laughs> it's a fucking episode <laughs> yeah no i mean it's it's well written there's there's a little there's a little silly through line which is like eh but overall, it's like, it's pretty good. And I like how it looks and sounds in general. So like, 8.25 yeah. out of 10. Sure. All right. Um, next week, it'll probably be time for a bonus episode. Uh, I don't know what that's going to be on yet. Uh, so we'll figure that out. Uh, until then... You can follow the podcast on Twitter at B2TardisPod. You can support us on Patreon for a number of benefits, such as early access to episodes, the ability to listen in live to episodes being recorded, and potentially even the ability to guest star upon an episode of your choosing. I'm Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at WheatleyDL. Uh, I'm Aurora, part of the Celestial System. You can follow all of us on the twitter.com at of mice and fems for good memes i'm i'm hmm yeah i'm no one uh you can follow us again now though oh We're slightly active on at nomadic elastic again woohoo all right and we will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>